Well, we're going to jump into God's Word this morning. Uh, everybody say, moving forward. That's our theme for 2019. You've probably heard it a lot. You're going to hear it a lot more. Hallelujah. And this, uh, today we're going to kick off a series for the next three weeks about moving forward in community. And last week was Vision Sunday, and I, I hope you're all able to be there. If not, you know, come or listen online to our, our message from last week. But we announced we're, we're really wanting to move forward in community with small groups. It's already been announced again today, but uh, it's our desire as a church that as we grow bigger, because God is growing us, that we also grow smaller and that we have more opportunities in smaller settings to grow together. We don't want to just grow numerically and have people attend services. We want people to grow closer together as a church family. That's what God has asked us to do, what he's called us to do, and what he really he has designed us to do is to grow closer together as we continue to grow as a church family. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Before I read there, just to give you some backstory to where we are here in Acts chapter 2, Jesus has died. Uh, he died on that cross for you and for me so that we could know him and have a relationship with God and receive the forgiveness of sins and the grace of God to enter into knowing the, the, the one true God. And, and Jesus died on that cross and then raised from the dead and over a 40-day period appeared to over 500 people showing, him, showing himself to them that he was alive, showed the scars in his hands, showed the scar on his side, and that showing them that he was, he was dead but now he is alive. And before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, wait here until you receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. And so he ascended then into heaven, and this group of 120 people are gathered together in an upper room, praying together. They're there for 10 days. And then all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they begin to speak in different languages. And it was like tongues of fire were on top of their heads, and, and the power of God moves powerfully amongst them, so much so that a huge multitude of people gathered together outside of where they are gathered. And Peter stands up and begins to preach the gospel that Jesus was the Messiah who was to come to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, that he was the guy, and, and begins to tell the people that they need to repent and be baptized and give their lives to Jesus to receive what Jesus has done for them. And, and he, here we are in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, and, and it says, those who accepted his message, his being Peter, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Imagine a group of 120 people growing by 3,000 in one day. It's a powerful, crazy thought. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves. Who's the they? The they is the 3,000 people who just got saved. All right? This is the, the beginning of the, of the church in Acts chapter 2 here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, say everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, say together, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, say every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I also wanted to read for you out of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. 
It says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists. Think about it. God, everything exists for God. You, you exist for God. God does not exist for you. You exist for him. It's an amazing thought. Let's put the priority and place of importance in the right place here. And uh, so it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, that is Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy, which is God, and those who are made holy, which is us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Here we have this, in the scripture, we have the description of how God has made us a family. That through what Jesus has done for us, he has made us a family together with him. And that God desires to continue to grow his family and see his family continue to spread throughout the entire world. In America, we celebrate independence. We, we idolize it. We, we celebrate it not just on the 4th of July every year, but we celebrate people individually. We celebrate their independence. We idolize movie stars and celebrities of all types. We idolize pro athletes uh, who are on teams, yet we celebrate them as individuals. We, we idolize business people who are extremely successful. We, we celebrate all these different types of people uh, and, and revel in their accomplishments and go, wow, what they're doing is so incredible. What they've done is so huge and so big, and it's amazing. And we celebrate this idea of being free as Americans and independent. Yet, if we actually think about it for a moment, that if we didn't have partnering nations around us and allied nations to do business with and, and, and to protect us from any enemies, it would be very difficult to maintain our independence. If you think about all these people that we idolize in our culture, athletes, actors, uh, actresses, business people, they all have people in their lives, all have people on their teams that have made them successful. They would not be who they are or be able to do what they have done without those people around them. Michael Jordan would not have won possibly two more championships if John Paxton and Steve Kerr did not make shots at the end of games to win the finals. Tom Brady would not have won five Super Bowls if he did not have an offensive line. And I pray that he doesn't have one today. That they all just get hurt or quit or something. You can tell that I'm not a Patriots fan. Any successful business person who does not have a mentor or employees to empower or give responsibilities to to help them carry out the success of the business or be able to uh, facilitate things with, with, within their business would not be who they are without those people around them. Every single person has a, has a trainer, has a coach, has a teacher, has a parent who has poured into their lives. Every famous movie star has had a producer, a, a director, a personal fitness trainer, a dietitian coach, all these different people to help them be successful in who they are. They cannot do what they do without someone else around them. And you and I, we can't be all that God has called us to be if we desire to be isolated and independent and try to do life on our own. That's not what we're supposed to do. It's not how God has made us to be, and we will not be successful in all that God has for us in that way. The, the idea of independence and isolation is a lie. It's a deception to think that we can live life on our own and, and do all that God has asked us to do. And so our desire as a promised church and as leaders here is to uh, facilitate and provide uh, the value of 
connecting together as a church family. The sense of belonging to a community is one of the most uh, deepest and most fundamental human needs that we have as people. Yet we live in a day and in a culture where community is harder to build and it's at a time of increasing isolation and disconnectedness. Social media even actually promotes and produces this. We, we, we think social media actually helps facilitate connections where we can connect supposedly with people all over the world that maybe they, it's a friend of a friend, an acquaintance that we, we met one time. It's someone we used to work with or, or someone that we you know, met a long time ago and we're able to reconnect. We grew up to, in school together and I haven't seen them for 30 years, but I can follow them on Facebook and they're one of my friends and they follow me. But how well do you really know them? How many real friends do you actually have or versus your Facebook friends. How, 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 how deep is those connections? And, and we celebrate, you know, how many followers we have, how many people like our page, and our, our sense of worth and, and identity comes from, from social media versus actually knowing how many people you actually have in your life that you connect with and that you really know and really know you. I often would ask people, you know, are you Facebook friends with Jesus or are you friends with Jesus? Is he the friend of a friend? Do you just like to watch his highlights and what he could do for you? Or do you actually know him? Do you actually know him? And often we, 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 we take social media and how we're supposed to connect through that with other people and use it as a foundation for connecting with everyone in our lives. When that's not the way it's supposed to be, we're actually meant to know people, have close personal relationships with others around us, and really stay connected with them. Uh, in November of 2018, an article came out that shared, a report came out that shared that the life expectancy of Americans has decreased for the second year of an, in a row. In 2016 and 2017, the life expectancy of Americans has decreased for the second year in a row. That has never happened in American history except back in the World War I time period. And if you think about it, back then there was a war. A lot of people died. And there was a lot of diseases that we have cures for today that they didn't have back then. So it's been a very long time since this has happened in American history. And the reason that this is happening, experts believe, is that of the rising suicide rate and the rising drug overdose rate, are, that are, there are two of the biggest factors to this. And psychologists actually attribute the rise to both the suicide rate and the drug overdose rate to the lack of true community in people's lives. NPR disease prevention expert William Dietz of George Washington University stressed the links between overdoses and suicides. Both may, he says both may occur amongst people less connected to each other in communities and are tied to a sense of hopelessness, which in turn could lead to an increase in rates of suicide and certainly addictive behaviors. Think about it. There's people all over this community, all over our region, all over this nation, all over the world that are feeling alone, that feel isolated, that feel like no one in the world cares about them enough that if they're not here, it doesn't really matter. They're broken. They're hopeless. They're hurting. And they have no one that they feel like they're connected with. There's, maybe you're here today and maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel like no one would miss me if I'm not here. That's a lie from darkness. The enemy hates you and he would love to destroy your life and have it snuffed out. But Jesus is life itself. He is life. And he has asked us 
to live together in a, in a community of, of a family of believers that would love one another and be able to love the world too. And that we have what the world needs. We have Jesus, we have everything in him, and we have each other to, to, to share that love and to, and to give that love away. And you can see that community is essential not just to our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus, but it is essential to the core of who we are as human beings. You were made from community. This is point number one. You were made from community. Humankind was created from the Godhead. God said, let us, Father God, Jesus, Son of God, and Holy Spirit, three in one, the Trinity, let us make man in our image and our likeness. They were in a place of constant communion and fellowship and connection with each other. And from that place, they created mankind. We were created from community. And they invited us into their community, into their fellowship, to have relationship with God and be able to walk in a place of communion and connectedness to God all the time. You were created from community. Point number two, you were created for community. You were created for community. And in, in the creation of the world, God was creating all the planets. He was creating the earth. He created the waters. He created the land. He created the animals, the sea creatures, the stars, the sun, the moon, all this. And as he was beginning to go through it, and he, then he created, he created man as well, he, he said, you know, it is good. God said that it is good. God said that it was good. God said that it was good. All of the six days of creation, he comes to man, God said it is very good. And then Adam is tending the garden. He's, he's working the land, he's naming the animals, and every time he, he names a species an animal, he recognizes that there's both a male and female part of the species, and he begins to realize he was alone, that there was only him of his species, of his kind. And God says, it is not good for man to be alone. Before sin, before the fall, any of that, God's just saying, he's saying constantly, it is good, 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 it's very good. And then all of a sudden, it is not good for man to be alone. And then think about it for a moment. This is Adam with unhindered face-to-face -face connection with God in the garden. No sin, no separation of any kind. And God says, he needs something that even in me, I can't give him. It's an amazing thought. It's crazy. So what did God do? He created Eve out of Adam to make a, a helpmate suitable for Adam. And now Adam had a partner for life. It's beautiful, amazing. And all the married people said amen. This is what God intended for us, that we would not be alone. Humanity was never meant to be alone. And, and even different ones in Scripture, the different heroes of the faith, they, had, they thought at different moments that they were alone. Elijah the prophet thought he was alone. He, he, he lived in Israel in a time when most of the nation was not following God, and, and they were worshiping false gods. And he, you know, experienced amazing miracles in God. God did incredible things through him. Fire falls from heaven and consumes a sacrifice and, and all these amazing things. And he encounters God uh, in, a, in a still small voice on the mountain one day where, while he thinks he's alone. He's running from this evil queen Jezebel who is out to kill him. And he's like, God, I'm all alone. No one else is, uh, is following you. It's just me. Everyone else is following this false god Baal. And I'm all alone. 
and there's this, this radical fire, there's this tornado, this whirlwind, and then all of a sudden, the still small voice. God speaks to him and says, hey, if you think you're alone, why don't you go anoint Elisha to be your successor? And I want you to go find someone to do life with. What did, what did God tell him to do? You think you're alone, go initiate, go take, uh, take the initi- initiative to do life with somebody. Put yourself around someone to share life with. Don't just isolate yourself and, oh, woe is me, I'm alone. Go find someone to give, pour into, to give yourself to, and, and do life with somebody. And all of a sudden, he began to do that. And he, he did life with Elisha. And before that even happened, though, God says, oh, and by the way, there's 7,000 people who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone. You're never alone. God is always with you, yes, but there are people that are around you. If you are willing to open yourself up and allow people to be a part of your life, there will be always people around you that will care for you and do life with you. We often hide ourselves. We often recluse ourselves away because of fear, because of, uh, of being hurt in the past, or, or because of pride. We don't want to actually tell people what's going on in our lives. But we often hide ourselves from other people instead of open ourselves up for relationship with others. We'd rather complain and, and say that we're lonely instead of initiate things to open ourselves up. God wants us to share life with one another and do life with other people. That's what he's designed for us. So point number one was you are made from community. Point number two is you are made for community. We're not meant to be alone. And number three is you are made to grow in community. You are made to grow in community. As you grow, your community grows. Think about it. As, as you grow as a person and you multiply yourself into other people, you, you, should, uh, you, should, you will be growing as an individual. Your life will be growing. When I got married, my life grew. I was not independent of myself. I could not do whatever I wanted. I, I was in a relationship with another person. We were to do life together. And so everything I did involved my wife, and we were, and we were to live life together. My, my, my single person became a family. And I had to grow as a person in maturity, in responsibility, in everything. I had to grow. Then when we decided to have our first kid, our first daughter was born, our lives grew in a big way. It grew in poopy diapers. It grew in vomit. It grew in sleepless nights. It grew in all kinds of amazing things. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You had to grow. You had to grow. It forced you to grow. Having that child forces us to grow in so many different areas in our lives and in disciplines and maturity and being able to balance, and dis- balance our lives in so many different ways. When we grow, our community grows. When our community grows, we grow. As you add more kids to your life, your community is growing and you're growing, Right? As you are gaining more relationships in your life, as your your fellowship circle, your relationship circle continues to grow, you're growing. Our goal at at the Promise Church isn't that everyone in this room is your best friend. Our goal is that you have a handful of people in your life that you really know and really know you and you do life together. It's impossible for all of us to be each other's best friends, but we really want you to feel connected to people here that you can do life with that people know you and, and you know that you belong with them and you guys are, are interconnected. As we continue to grow bigger, we have to be able to grow smaller. But I tell you, as you pour your life into other people and they pour themselves into you, you will grow as a person. You will grow in your walk with the Lord. You will grow in maturity. You will grow in your, in your relationships with others. It will force you to grow. 
It will encourage you to grow. Humanity was birthed from a community. We've talked about this, the Godhead, to be a family, Adam and Eve. They were to walk with God together as a family, and they were to grow God's family. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply. And all the married folks said amen. The church was birthed from community. We read about this in Acts chapter 2. There was a community of 120. There was these disciples. The church was birthed from community to be a family. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 2, that all of us who've received what God has done for us and we walk into relationship with him, we are now uh, brothers and sisters. We're sons and daughters of God. And they, were to, they walked together as a family, as we saw in Acts chapter 2 that we read, that they met every day in the temple. They met every day in each other's homes. Every day, every day they met together. They walked together as a family, and they grew God's family. It says, then God added to their number daily those who are being saved. Think about it, every day. Some of you would have a hard time seeing me every day, I think. I know Jeffrey doesn't get tired of seeing me every day. You know, Pastor Luke does not get tired of seeing me every day. We see each other a lot. I never get tired of seeing him either. But some of you... See, the thought of every day scares you. It's like, whoa, every day? I'm good with twice a month. Every day. See, we have a problem in our American culture of, of, of church life. This is not a, necessarily about us as a church, but the generic church of America. We have a problem with this type of mindset because we're in a service mindset, not a lifestyle mindset. See, in America, it's about I'm going to go to a service for an hour and a half, two hours or less. Uh, I'm going to do the punch card for Jesus thing. I'm going to get my Jesus on for that length of time. I'm going to go home and do what I want. Don't ask me to come to another service during the week. Don't ask me to go to a small group. Don't ask me to help in an outreach. I'm just going to give my contribution uh, financially, and I'm just going to do what I want to do, and I'm just going to attend a service. I'll give to the missions trip that's coming up or the missionary that visits. I'll attend the one outreach a year that the church puts on, and I'll be a part of that, and that, and that's, I think that's good enough. The early church was lifestyle. It was their everything. Many of them lost their homes, lost their businesses, lost their families because they chose to follow Jesus. It was all that they had. They didn't go on outreach because they lived a lifestyle of outreach all the time. They didn't go on missions trips because they were always on mission for Jesus. It was their life. It was everything to them. So every day to them was like a no-brainer. For us, once a week, it's challenging. Twice a month, once a quarter, once a week? Are you kidding? Every day? All right, you're joking, right? But we have, a, a, we have a problem possibly in our value system. We have a problem possibly in our priority levels of what we value the most. Because what you actually value, you make time for. What's important to you, you'll see it in your schedule of what you've made room for in your life. And so... We're asking you, church, to see the value of connecting together as a community that you are made for it, that we are me we're meant for it, and it's going to help you to grow, and it's needed for all of us, that we're not meant to do life on our own. We're not, it's not meant to be me and Jesus. It is meant to be you and Jesus, but not you and Jesus by yourselves all the time, forever. You're meant to be joined together to a family, to the body of Christ. I, I love that God actually uses the illustration of a physical body to, to show the connectedness we are to have as a church family. Think about it. If all of a sudden I lost 
my right arm. Someone cut it off. Well, first of all, that would not be good. Second of all, my effectiveness, my capabilities would decrease quite a bit. I would not be able to do everything that I was able to do before when I had both arms. If all of a sudden you cut yourself off from connectedness to the family of God and you just think that you can isolate yourself and do life by yourself in Jesus, you're missing out on all that God has for you. And we're missing out together. When part of your body isn't functioning fully and it's not healthy as it was meant to be, we're not walking in the full strength that God has for us. We're not walking in all that Jesus designed us to walk in to, to be as strong as we could be. Every single one of you have value. Every single one of you are important. Every single one of you has a role and has something to contribute to all of us walking together into the fullness that God has for us. And when we do, we'll really impact our community. We'll really impact our region around us. You're all important, and we all need to be connected together. And so what we're doing is with our small groups, we, we really believe that this is going to help us grow together as we continue to grow. And why are we doing small groups? Four quick points why we're doing small groups. Number one, build relationships. We want you to grow in connection with friendships, with people where you do life together, where people get to know you and you get to know them. Number two is growth. We know that as you receive encouragement from other people and then you encourage others, you, you, you discuss the word of God, you pray together, you converse together, you're going to grow, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be encouraged, you're going to feel supported. It's going to help you grow. And we want those things to take place in our groups and we know that they will. The next thing is evangelism. We, we realize that it might be intimidating and difficult for people to attend a church service. And you're, you've invited your friend or your neighbor or your coworker to church and they just won't come. But maybe they'll come when you invite them to a home where there's food and there's fun people to have a conversation with and get to know and you're able to have a, a, just an easygoing discussion time. And we realize that in doing so, people are going to come to Jesus because of it, which is beautiful, which is what it's about. And then lastly, raise up leaders. We, we realize that there's so many amazing people in this church. We want to give opportunity to them to lead these groups. And we may ask you at some point to lead a group. And just say yes in advance in your heart because, you know, we know God's going to do amazing things in your life. No one got that joke. That's okay. But I'm serious. Say yes. Uh, God is going to raise up amazing leaders in this church. We want to give opportunity to people to do that. And so what we're doing with our small groups is for 14 weeks, it begins at the end of this month, the week of January 27th is when it begins. It's going to go until about May 2nd, the, the end of April, the very beginning of May. And we're going to have groups that meet once a week. Once a week. We didn't say every day, we said once a week. Come on. And they're going to get together for a couple hours and enjoy fellowship and conversation and getting to know one another getting to know one another and discussion in God's word together. It's going to be fantastic. We have 12 different groups for you to choose from. And I encourage you, if you're not even able to come every week, if you're able to come twice a month, twice a month is better than none at all. All right? For some of you, that's doubling what your participation in community has been like before. So jump in, sign up. We're going to be doing these all throughout the year. So there's our first round is, is this, uh, these next couple months. In May to June, we're going to have topical groups. They're going to range in topics from parenting to marriage to finances to freedom in Jesus. Many different things uh, involved there in May, in May through June. And then we'll take July and August 
off for a little bit, but I know that the friendships that are developed from January to June will carry into July and August. You guys will do barbecues at each other's houses together and, and have swimming dates together and all kinds of great things. And then in September, we're going to pick up another round of groups where we go through November as well. And, and so there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to connect in a community this year. Say, I'm moving forward. Oh, come on, guys. I'm moving forward in community. Let's all stand together. I encourage you, church, just to allow God to show you in your heart maybe adjustments that need to be made in your schedule, things that need to happen in order to be able to, be able to participate and these small groups. We believe that God's going to really help us all grow together in him as well as with each other as we participate in these together. And we want everyone who calls the Promise Church home and who is an adult to participate in small groups. That's our goal. And we know that as you, as you participate, God's going to do great things in your life. And it's going to help you grow as a follower of Jesus. I just want to pray over you. Lord, I thank you so much for these amazing people here. God, I ask for each one of us that we would see the need for community in our lives. God, that we would realize that you made us from a place of community in you. And God, that you made us for community with one another. That we're not meant to be alone and we don't have to be alone. That we can live in you. I just break off every lie of isolation and every lie of independence and I ask, Holy Spirit, for hunger to stir in people's hearts and humility to stir in people's hearts. God, to take the risk of relationship with others again. God, that you'd heal any wound that's inside of a person that would stop them from connecting with other people. And Lord, that you would do a great work in us as we grow closer together as we continue to grow. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.